Dungeoneers. Welcome to Applied Dungeoneering, the D&D 5e actual play podcast that's been buried under a million pounds of soft and loamy soil. I'm Josh, the Dungeon Master, and I'm joined as always by my friends and co-hosts. We have Daniel here. He's just a regular old earthworm. Did you call me that because I eat dirt? I told you that in confidence. Well, you're also um, you're also covered in mucus and have a decentralized nervous system. <laughs> okay, yeah, that that is true. I just I I mean, I told you that I told you look, the other stuff I I understand, but I told you the dirt thing in confidence? I didn't take that into consideration, Daniel. I'm sorry. I, I know, it's fine. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna squirm over here. Okay. Okay, well squirmy wormy boy is gonna go over there because we have Janelle here too. And she's just a little seed ready to sprout into a plant. Like maybe a thorn bush or a Venus flytrap. Or something poisonous. Who knows? I'm gonna make it fun, mix it up. Ooh, make crab sure people apple tree. don't don't <laughs> <laughs> That's also a possibility. Who knows? Depends on my mood and how much water I get. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're being real or if you're making a plant reference because both are true. <laughs> I know. There, there's so many jokes in here, but for the sake of my marriage, I can't make any yep, of them. Yep. Smart man. <laughs> smart man. Everybody's waiting. Josh, you should continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go before Daniel has a chance. Well, Nate's here, too. I'd say he's the best mole a friend could ask for. I know, I've infiltrated this group. So do you guys have any secrets you want to tell me? Um, I eat dirt. (laughs) (laughs) No, we, wait, let me call my superiors. Yeah, yeah, we already knew that. Do you got anything that's like useful? How did you already know? (laughs) I I (laughs) told you that in confidence. (laughs) I told that agent in confidence. (laughs) Sorry, that's not confident enough. Hold on. If you're going to waste my time, I'm just going to have to leave. Okay? It's not nice to waste a mole's time. I'm going to squirm away. <laughs> oh, so floppy whoppy. <laughs> well, Joel's here too. And uh, he's just a slumbering cicada waiting for the right time to break out of the ground and shriek incessantly. Yeah, uh, you know, but lately I've been I've been <laughs> thinking about that and... I think I like it better underground, you know? I like oh, yeah? just sitting here suckling on tree roots for their delicious sap, and just seems like it'll be too much trouble to go up there. You know, so it's, it sounds like it's kind of nice. No responsibility. You don't even have to move. Yeah, I just have to be careful of the moles. Yeah. Don't worry, I did not give this intel to headquarters that you are harmless and will pose no threat to our hostile takeover. Okay. Hostile takeover of the underground. As long as you leave my tree roots alone. (laughs) Of course. And then finally, we have AJ, a tunneling ant that strives to support something larger than just himself. Thank you, Josh. He's a good good guy like that. I've been mean to you the last few episodes. I thought I'd be nice and call you an ant during this one. Oh, thanks, man. That's like a that's like a step up. That's a promotion if I'll take. But uh, but thank you, Josh. I appreciate it because I think that. As a whole, I think the human race is kind of like that, working towards something bigger than itself. You know, in one way or another, whether whatever way you're working towards in life, it's it's always a part of a struggle that ends up in triumph in one way or another. And I I think that we all are are ants in our hearts. We're always stronger than we appear. We're always you know able to uh, overcome obstacles with numbers. 
working together, building bridges. And yeah, we also often have, you know, a, a giant queen that, <laughs> that we cut need me to off feed. On purpose. And, and sometimes rip their legs off because otherwise yeah, they might run and away. Sometimes, and sometimes the ant's friends will come over and like pull your antennae off. Jerk. Yeah, but that's only to save you from yourself because sometimes they're infected, you know, and that's what happens. Yeah. So a- anyway, you're not still mad that I took your feet, right? I mean, you did have a big mole on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was he was the best mole I could have could have had, but you know what? I, I understand what what that means, and it's. I take offense to that. Well, I was just about to say he grew up to be Nate, so I mean it must <gasps> Nate, have worked out. Nate, you were on my foot. That was you. Yes. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. I never thought I'd I see was you here again. all along. Well, I know it's hard to keep time uh, deep underground, but uh, how's everyone's week been? If it, if it's been a week for you guys so far. Dark. It's been about seven years, Josh. It's been so seven long. years. It's been so long. I'm, I'm towards the end of my life. Still cycle. compiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's don't worry. I'll finish this compilation soon enough on this program. Still cold, so I'm still hanging out down here. No sprouting yet. Not till it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> Not until the warming rays of the sun fry all of the ants, right? Yeah. What? AJ, I'm still disturbed by that picture, that, that mind picture you had of our hearts being ants, and I'm just, it's a horrible, horrible no, thing. Guys, lots I'm, of little I, ants. I'm ants in my hearts, Johnson. Is I've got, got lots of ants in my heart. <laughs> They're just crawling all over my heart. Holy. I got, I got ants. I got ants in my heart. And um, I'm, I'm ants in my, yeah. <laughs> I'm ants in my heart, Johnson. Well. I got lots of deals. <laughs> All right, guys, it looks like we parted this opening, and now we should just reboot our file system into ButterFS. Let's get going. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, Nate's coming out of left field with a programming joke, and a butter one at that. That's right. Please butter me up, for I am churning for adventure. (laughs) Oh, man, good good layup from Nate and a slam dunk from Daniel. All righty, so before we get started, I will give us a quick recap of what happened last episode, and then we'll jump right back into the action. So last episode, our heroes were much more successful in their navigation efforts. Vez, with Aegon's help, was able to successfully wrangle the crowd and trek through the woods, finding ancient monuments and ruins left behind by the original elven inhabitants. Finally, after a day of travel... The stone doorway of Deer Hemins loomed ahead, awaiting our adventurous protagonists. So we will move back into our scene. Our heroes are standing near this stone monument. Right up ahead through the woods, they can see the looming stone doorway. They can almost feel the wind and the fire from the night before. The memories are coming back yeah (laughs) everyone with the worm in their head can taste the poison again as uh (laughs) daniel remembers its horribleness (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) so your destiny lies ahead if you believe in things such as destiny so what are our heroes gonna do how far up ahead is it is it like a hundred yards or um i'd say it's about half a mile half a mile okay so it's far enough away that you can like see it pretty well, but like you've still got space to go. And then just as a rough 
rough idea. Um, how long did we have to walk when we were blindfolded and everything to get there initially? Oh, that that was a few hours, but okay. You guys are basically at this point. I know. I think I I was stupid and I gave like actual time increments last episode. Yeah. But it's basically been a like almost a whole day of like trekking your way up the side. A lot of that's because of the navigating. Right. But I, I mostly meant to ask because I was wondering how close the village might be in case they're like really close or if it took us a while to get there while blindfolded and everything. Oh yeah, they're they're they're, they're far enough back that you're not in any danger of just like somebody walking out the door to like dump the bucket. No, go, hey! no. It, it it took a while for you guys to get up there. Okay. Then I think uh Phil will pipe up and say Oh guys, it's right there. I I think I think we should take time to, to find a spot to use this and he'll bring out our our awesome magical item, the Portobello Portal Bell. And and say we we need to find a place to put this in case we need to run, you know? And and I'm pretty sure the village isn't too close, so we can find a place that's pretty close to the door in case we need to run. Yeah, I, I think we should find a, a little spot in, in the woods that's uh, surrounding the door so that it's not uh, in plain view. Oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah, because we, we, we don't want anyone else to know where we can pop in and out of. So, Another thought just occurred to me. Do you think there's going to be anyone waiting for us? Do you expect there to be any guards or anything? Um... Well, I wouldn't know it, sir. I mean, probably if they really appreciate the door. Vez, Jasper, Aragon, do you guys have any idea? I think we should just approach with caution and, I mean, no, don't go and sprint up there making a lot of noise or anything. Quiet and as stealthily as we can manage is probably our best bet. That's the word. That's the one. Stealthily, yes. Okay, I guess we do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are going to try to stealth your way up the... Well, but first we want to find... Um, uh, we need to establish where in the woods we want to use the um, portobello mushroom. Well, it depends on how close you want to get. Because that's what I'm trying to figure out, is if you guys are going to get close enough where it matters. Yeah, I, I wanted it to be fairly close. Like, if there's a clearing around the door, then we won't be, like, at the edge of that clearing, I would say. So that way it's an easy access. This is a lot more strategic thinking than Theo probably would say. But that's my thoughts. Well, my, my thought was basically the same idea, but pulled back into the woods a little more. So that if they wanted to, like, figure out where, they, they would actually have to, like... They'd actually have to look for it. If it's just sitting at the edge of the clearing, if they if they go to the edge, they would just see it. Well, I mean, they would really just see. Uh, well, I guess I feel would say this too if, if Gunner would bring it up. I mean, this is just a uh, there's just a bunch of mushrooms in a circle. I mean, you have to have this thingy for it to even work. So I mean, I don't know how many of these things are out there in the world. So like, if they just ran in and saw some mushrooms after we disappeared, I mean, I I don't know who would think that's definitely a portal. I mean, people who are familiar with giant, potentially magical doors may be familiar with magical portals, so... That, magical mushroom portals? Hmm? All I'm saying, Theo, is that having a little bit of cover, I think, is not a bad idea. Okay. That way, too, if we come back, we're not just, like, accidentally exposing ourselves to whoever may be there. We have a little bit of cover to reappear safely. Okay, so yeah, we'll have to stealth up there pretty close, then. 
how how long does it take to put down the spores? An hour. Okay, well, here's my thinking then. You find the spot we want, give us ten minutes for Gunner to make his Lehman's tiny hut, and th- and then we start working on it. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. Take a short rest. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then, I mean, at that point, if... I don't know if the person spreading the spores can take the short rest, but I think at least everybody else should if we have to stand around for an hour anyway. Yeah, I don't think it's an... It's not an active thing. You just gotta sprinkle them down and wait for an hour for them to develop. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean... Hmm, I do think it'd be good to know that it's in place in case we have to run. Yeah. I mean, I still think it's a good idea to take a short rest just because, you know, we're a little bit down now anyways. Strategery. We're doing strategery. Again, are you guys sneaking up to the door first to do this? Or are you guys going to do this, like, down by this monument and then go up? Well, we, we, we were thinking, like, in the woods in between the monument and the door. Yeah. Because we want we, we, we don't we don't want it to be in a clearing. Well, yeah, I, I get that. But are you going so that you're still a quarter mile away, or you got like AJ was making it sound like he wants to do it like within dashing distance. <laughs> so that's why I was confused. I didn't know how close AJ was saying he wanted to put it, because that will determine whether you guys rest now and then try to sneak up, or if you sneak up and then rest. I. I, I would say rest now and then sneak up. At least that that's what I'm thinking. There there needs to be a good distance between this and the door. We can't we can't put it within dashing distance of the door. Well remember, they also can't use it. You have to use your bell to activate it. No, I know, but they could find it and then camp it out. Obviously Fio and, and Gunnar don't agree, so what does everybody else think? We should do it in the woods. Far, far away or up close? That's the real question. What do you think? I agree with Gunner. Like basically, do you guys want to do you guys want to do it within 120 feet of the clearing, or do you want to do it a quarter mile away? That's that's the question. So I assume you'll I assume you'll still do it in the forest. Okay, so it seems like we the the consensus, at least from what I understand, is that we want to put it 120 feet away, just about from the door, which would put us in the forest so that way it's hidden but it's also somewhat close to the door so we want to sneak up to that point and then we want to take a rest and while we're doing at the beginning of the rest we're going to plant the spores does that sound good to everyone yeah yeah and before we take the rest i'm going to use my last spell slot to heal myself more yeah that's a good idea (laughs) yeah i'm going to use some key points well i mean we got to get there first yeah yeah. Or, I mean, I mean, I, I won't say we do. You can do it now if you want, but I'm just saying we, we should get there first. Okay. So. So you guys did say you're going to move stealthily. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why don't you guys make me a group stealth check? Let's do this. Every time. Uh, well. Seven. <laughs> for Gunner, that's pretty bad, but, I mean, overall, that's okay. It's 12. <laughs> I also got a seven. I don't believe in stealth checks. Oh, guys, guys, guys. I mean, I'm not Yay. stealthy. You guys did learn your lesson last time when it comes to us and stealth yeah, checks here? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is just, uh, this is par for the course, guys. I don't know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> Theo got a 16, Tua got a 14. I got 14. So, yeah, luckily... At least half, like more than half of you succeeded. 
Oh, so thank goodness. You guys are making your way kind of like up the rough forest terrain. Like there's a lot of rocks and roots, but you guys are able to cover for Aegon and Jasper by like catching them before they slip or giving them a boost so they don't make much noise. You guys are able to get very, very close. And as you're making this trek up and you're sneaking, you do see very very faintly, because like the sun's starting to go down a little bit, because it's like dinner time, it's making its way behind the mountains. So there's like heavy shadow everywhere. Very like It would look nice if it wasn't so eerie, but like in the distance, you can see some sort of like projected spotlight moving around further into the forest. Like far enough away, it's not going to see you, but you know, there are some some things walking around. Very, very familiar spotlight? Yes. Oh, God. Probably one of the, the bipedal automatons that had attacked you on the on the trail. Oh, my God. Hype. But you guys are quiet and you don't attract their attention. So you're able to sneak up and you're able to get to the point you were wanting to. Okay. So. Okay, so Gunner's, Gunner's going to work on that tiny hut. And then Fio's going to immediately put down a pinch of, of the dust in a circle. Alrighty. So you guys are able to take your short rest and prepare yourselves mentally and emotionally for, <laughs> uh, for the next part. And you are able to successfully make the portal portal bell oh, uh, yeah. circle. And I healed myself before the short rest. Yeah, me too. Yes, and then you get your spell slots back. So good job, yeah. you guys. And key points. And, and you get uh, an extra. If you spend any hit dice, you get an extra 1d6 for my song of rest. Yeah, I think uh, I think Tua and Fio just top off just because they saw those things around. And they really don't like those guys. Those those spotlight bipedal those bipedal automatons automatons the metal automatons automatons yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you guys are actually doing pretty good at like avoiding most of the dangers on your way up here like that's actually kind of impressive Woo! you guys are you guys are rolling yeah. better than you normally do yeah we are. Regardless of our last <laughs> batch of rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, stealth gunner can do. Survival? Nah. But <laughs> All right. So you guys complete your rest. Gunner dispels his... Well, not dispels. Your tiny hut disappears. Mm-hmm. And you guys begin to make your way towards the stone doorway. Stealthfully, right? Yes. I'm not going to make you roll because there's there, you can see like the clearing is open and there's nothing mm-hmm. nothing there. Okay. Like you guys already made it past the patrols. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine Gunner's Gun just like tiptoeing. It's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Not going to get any more worms. Yeah, it looks very similar to how it looked the night you guys witnessed the ritual, but it's empty. You can see the blackened remains of the bonfire still there, but that's about it. It is eerie. No bones? No, no dead bones. bodies? No bones, no blood. There's nothing. It's as if the only evidence is the, the burning fire. Wow. Son of a gun. Guys, do you think we should look behind the door? I think that's where... I mean, that, that's the mystery, right? That, that's the only part we haven't seen. 
Yeah, yeah the Vez problem? was mentioning it. Yeah, because Vez, uh, Vez saw the the things disappear behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like there's a tree not too far off from the door, maybe about like 15 feet or so from it. Can we sneak our way up that way and, and start to peer around so we're not just running through the open ground? Yeah, you guys can circle around the around the edge of the clearing without going into the open. Okay, cool. So I guess we'll make our way to look on the backside. Is there anything there or footprints? Yeah, or... yeah so you guys circle around um, to the other side of the tall, looming stone doorway, and you can't see anything from the edge of the forest. Okay, so there's nothing you'd obvious. To, you'd have to, you'd have to, yeah, nothing obvious. You'd have to walk up to it. Okay, and we haven't seen any patrols in the hour that we've, you know, been in this area that like that walked up to the door or anything. No. Okay. I'm gonna make a run for it. Okay, but like, you gotta go fast. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. Spo- we are not sponsored by. Sega what? Entertainment. <laughs> Sega. I, I wasn't reference. I was just saying he has to go fast. Mm. That's all I said. Yeah, Gunner pulls a chili dog out of his pouch, <laughs> slams the whole thing. His feet just turn into like little wheels, and he speeds on up there. <laughs> Rolling around at the He's, speed of sound. Yeah. Ro- roll for chili yeah. dog. <laughs> all right. So if Gunner does indeed run up, it does, doesn't look that ridiculous. Come on, we're gonna be we're gonna be canonical here. Uh, Gunner very lightly trots over, and on the um, eastern side of the door in the back, he actually sees there is a, an opening, like in the ground in front, uh, right behind the stone doorway, and there is an old stone stairwell going down into the black underground. Gunner's gonna wave to everyone, like, "Come on, come on, it's it's fine." Okay. Should we do one at a time, or is we just going to run? No, no. Aegon's just going to start walking up there. <laughs> <laughs> just join him. He said it's okay. You guys, you guys all just stride over. Well, I think I think Fia's going to hustle a little bit. I mean, for Pete's sakes. <laughs> we saw those guys with spotlights around. They just turned their head this way. <laughs> all right, so yeah, you got, you're all able to make it to the, the opening, and uh, it's pretty dark. Um, anyone who has dark vision can just see down the stairwell and uh, it looks like it just kind of opens up into a small small room okay I think Fia would but you look, can't you yeah. can't really see too far though because it's uh, at an angle obviously right I think I think Fia would look down and, and relay that and relay that information he has a torch or two though so you want to use a torch and jump down there I think if Fia starts to pull out a torch Gunnar is gonna like put his put his hand on his arm and just kind of like wave his finger back and forth like uh, not, m- maybe not first thing. We, we, we need to get down there first. We don't, we don't want people to know we're here. Okay. So then uh, he'll he'll take his lead and, and he'll just uh, get out a rope and see where they can tie it down just in case kind of a thing. But then he'll start going down the stairs unless somebody else wants to go first. Wait, what's the rope for? No, he just wants to have a rope they're ready. just stairs. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Listen, whenever they go into a dark pit or anything, it's always good to have a rope because every time they've gone into it's one, it's not a they pit. A it's, it, it's it's literally a stairway. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just saying, like in general, you go underground. We've needed a rope every time, so we make sure he has his rope ready. <laughs> it's Fio's lucky rope. It makes him feel better. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> He's named it Humphrey. How did you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go down there and die. Yeah. That's very pessimistic, Daniel. Yeah. 
But uh, Theo definitely wants to be one of the first two people to go down, though, because he can see a little farther than everybody else. Besides, I think Aegon can see, right? Yeah, Aegon can see much better than Theo. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, a- Aegon has uh, has the truest vision. I mean, not, not true sight. <laughs> Discount well, true vision. <laughs> <laughs> so our adventurers kind of make their way down the stairs quietly trying to keep their eyes off for anything strange or out of the ordinary. And you get to the bottom of the stairs and walk out into a large stone chamber. It's actually about 45 feet by 45 feet. Oh, cool. uh, With some supporting pillars holding it up so that way it doesn't collapse under the weight of the soil and stone above. There is a depression in the floor that takes up about half the room. It's about a five-foot drop, and the walls around the edge of this drop have like uh, more carvings depicting elven stories or important events from elven history, most likely. And right in front of our adventurers are some stairways leading down into this kind of depressed area. And at the far end of the room, you can see a single narrow doorway leading to another room. Uh, the walls of this chamber look like they're pretty sturdy. Like, it actually looks like they're pretty well maintained, but they still look old. Again, this is probably the oldest ruin you've seen, which is why it's surprising to you that it's so well maintained. Wow. Like, maybe there's something else keeping it so nice. But even as nice as it is, it's still prone to leakage, so there are pools of water everywhere from whenever the rain's fallen. It's kind of soaked down here, and now there's just stagnant water on the stone floor and large puddles. It kind of smells a little nasty, Ugh. kind of mildewy, and the air is kind of yeah. air is kind of moist. Is it is it dark? Yes, there is no light down here. Okay, so Vez is holding on to whomever is in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> She's just following because she can't see anything. And Jasper can't either, right? Is that is that what we finally established? Mm-hmm. Nope. Can't see shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm hugging Theo. Protect <laughs> me, big strong boy. <laughs> uh, Jasper, I'm concerned. <laughs> I just bury my head into his back. <laughs> I, careful, I sweat like a lot. So like your face can get all sweaty. I know. Now that we're not outside, if we get a, a little bit away from the door, I'm sure a torch would be fine. I just didn't want to do a torch in the middle of that open area. Oh, yeah, for sure. For, here, give me a second. Give me a second. And he'll go off to the side a little bit, grab one of his torches. Push my arm off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ja- come on, Jasper, you're acting weird. Here, Jasper, I'll just give you the torch. Here, how about that? Yay. Okay, he uses one of his torches. Oh, boy. Okay, so yeah, you light up a torch. Oh, wait, and, and I also, uh, Aegon will turn to Vez and say, I suppose you might want some light too, Vez. And he will, uh, he'll cast light on her staff. Thank you. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh. It'd be funny if you put it on her nose so anywhere <laughs> she looks, she's blinded. <laughs> And you can just say, there you go, Rudolph. (laughs) Maybe maybe you had a little too much caffeine. You're off the walls. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So actually, as soon as you guys strike the torch and cast the light, uh, you hear a weird trilling sound. 
like like a, something oh. like something like a, an animal would make. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, by the way, um, people with worms in their head, do they feel anything down here? Because we've been kind of feeling no. stuff on our way up here, but I didn't know if it changed they anything. Do, they do not feel anything down here at the moment. Uh, well, that makes Gunner nervous, but we're here, so I think he's going to try and nudge everyone to move forward. Like, okay, well, I, I think we're good. And um, yeah, Fio, I, I mean, if, if you want to go first, I won't stand in your way. He'll, he'll pat Gunner on the shoulder and say, Okay, bud. And he'll just jump down and, and get going. And then uh, as soon as you start to move forward, you hear that trill again. Oh. It's not a familiar trill, right? Not doesn't sound like no. a, a jelly or anything. If, if I... If I have... I, I, don't, I don't want to be immersion breaking, but I can't reproduce the noise. Um, <laughs> basically, imagine the sound that the Dilophosaurus makes in Jurassic Park when oh, it's hopping course. around. Of course. Everybody knows that. Kind of like a high-pitched, almost like bird mm-hmm. warble sound. Do we have any idea which direction it's coming from? Is it? Is it from... I mean, I suppose... <laughs> There's one door. <laughs> you guys can all give me a perception check. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is it coming from the doorway or is it coming from, like, underground? And I got an 11. I wasted my natural 20. <laughs> Well, maybe. So 23 total. Four. Oh, no. Oh, Fio got a natural 20. Tuo got a three, <laughs> even with advantage. Tuo, actually, Tuo does not even seem to be reacting to it. Yeah, he got a three seem- with advantage. No, 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 no. I'm being serious. Like, he, you don't get a roll. He doesn't seem like he even hears it. Really? Yeah, like normally his ears perk when noises like come around. He just he's just looking around. He does not hear it. That's so weird. And the reason for that is everyone who rolled above a ten realizes that they are hearing it in their heads. What? It's not it's not bouncing off the walls. It is not like an actual sound. It oh is a sound that is being God. projected straight into your heads. Oh, I hate that so much. Gunner pulls out his falchion. Like he is all he is freaking out now. And with Vez and Fio's uh, high roll, you guys know it. Whatever it is, is in this room. What? What? Fio just looks right at Vez because she gasped. Does she gasp for anything? Uh, she looks very disturbed. We'll say that. Okay. <laughs> he'll just look around everybody, and then noticing that Vez is even more disturbed, she'll, he'll just look at look at her and go, I. I think we need to be back to back. I like that idea. <laughs> and then Fio just get ready, have his axe out and everything, and he'll signal to 2-0 to be prepared for anything, and he'll just keep his eyes peeled for whatever it is that's in this room. Does do they have any idea which part of this room it's in, or is it or just they just know it's in the room? They just know it's in the room. Mm. Yeah, and, and so Fio just say, It's here. Um I will, well, I will. I, I will. I will say. Um, I think, just maybe since Vez and Fio rolled so high, I think maybe they also hear like a slightly like wet sound, like something moving coming from a small section of the wall where it looks like it's kind of collapsed in on itself, making like a little alcove. Gotcha. Okay, so he'll he'll look in that direction, then he'll do the two fingers to his eyes thing and point that way for for Gunner and them. Gunner's gonna whisper, "Do you think it's a friend or a foe?" I I think I know the answer, but I really ra- would rather you not say it. <laughs> I don't know if I asked. 
Can you can you throw something at it? I can hit it with a thing that if it's invisible, we can see it. Do that. Hurry. Yeah, but it's gonna if it attack. can hear us, gonna okay. do it. Okay, well, Gunner is going to, like, run to the base of the stairs, and then he is going to cast Fairy Fire. Yes! Oh. In the direction of the, um, the, the, the little... I, I, I don't remember what you called it. Outcropping? Mm-hmm. It's a 20-foot cube. If there is a creature there, it needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, yeah, because with Fairy Fire, they they shed dim light. So if, even if it's hiding in the alcove. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it, it specifically says the affected creature or object can't benefit from being invisible. Okay, well, it, like... it was not invisible. It's literally, like, tucked away in the alcove, like, out of your sight because you guys aren't, like, right next to it. But it rolled low enough, like, I got a six, that your light lights it up, so now there's just light emitting from this alcove. Ah, cool. And you can't see whatever it is, but whatever it is, it is small. Small? Small creature. Okay. I think then Theo will just kind of shift a little bit, seeing that it's small and not a huge threat or anything. He'll shift over uh, far, like away from it, but also closer to the other side of the door. So kind of getting closer to it, but getting away from the actual alcove and try to peer in there best you can, see what it is. Okay, so you're trying to look at, at it from a distance? Yeah, just trying to get a beat on it. Is it a mouse? Is it like a big beetle or something? Okay, so here's the thing. It was preparing an action for when you got within view. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I'm going to do what it was going to do first. Ah. Before I get a so, look at it? Yeah, and then I'll tell you what it is. Because Fio looks at the alcove, and then immediately his brain feels like it's exploding from inside. Oh, no. And the creature is using some sort of strange ability. I'm going to have to have you give me an intelligence saving throw. Oh, God. Well, he's doomed. Yeah, he gets a plus zero to this. You have your extra dice. What? Your inspiration action dice. Oh, do I have any of those left? Oh, that's actually a good, a good question. I had one. Yeah, I got one. I've got one. So, so yeah, you know what? I think Fio's going to need this. So I'm going to roll that with it. Because it gets a plus zero to this normally. Here we go. Oh, God. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> oh, no. He rolled a four and got a three with the, with the inspiration. It didn't do much. That's seven total. Oh, God. That is not enough. So he's going to reel back, and he's going to take seven psychic damage. Oh, God. And his intelligence score is going to be reduced by two. Oh, no. (laughs) He can't afford that much. (laughs) So this thing assaults his brain, and, like, Theo feels, like, his intelligence being devoured, one might say. Mm-hmm. And then as he's staggering back, everyone else starting to get themselves ready, and is able to look over just in time to see a small shape hover out from under the alcove. It's about the size of a human brain. Oh, God. And the reason I'm being that specific is because it is a human brain. What? With thick, ropey tentacles. Oh, God. Drifting from the bottom, which it uses half to pull itself across the ground to, like, 
aid its uh, levitation, and it's like, a, and they just sort of wave in the air. Like they and just it, don't care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and this thing floats out, and you guys are gonna have to roll initiative. Oh my god. Oh, we're fighting yeah. Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh my God. I, I don't think so, Joel, but good pull. Never fought a celebrity before. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird way to put that. Oh, my God, Joel. Uh, Fio got a 10. Definitely staggered. A little bit of a nosebleed. Not for that reason. <laughs> What reason? It's just so hot. <laughs> this is an anime. Gia 3, Nate? Yep. You see, Jasper knows he does not want to get near the thing because he values his brain more than anything. How how dumb can you get before you can't talk anymore? Four. Okay. Yeah, four is usually the threshold for for that. If he was currently at a nine, it's, you know, it could be worse, but it, it could possibly just get worse now. All right, well, the brain thing gets to go first. Oh, oh you're kidding me. He's a quick thinker. <laughs> oh, oh, God. What it is going to do is it is going to come out from that alcove and kind of half hover, half like slither up the wall. And Gunner sees it like appear from around the like the drop. And it, if it could look at him, it would be looking at him. <laughs> Mm. And Gunner, you are going to have to give me an intelligence saving throw. Okay, well, I am going to use one of those, as Janelle called it, action inspiration dice. Because <laughs> uh, I sure as hell need it. Uh, well, honestly, I probably would have done okay on my own. Well, no, actually, my intelligence is really bad. Okay, so that's a 12 on the d20. That's a 6 on the inspiration die. And oh a plus zero for my saving <laughs> so That's an 18. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gunner is able to, like, he, like, somehow, like, focuses himself, and nothing happens to you. But then the creature is going to use the rest of its movement to kind of, like, hover backwards so that it's, like, up against the far wall. It's st- still glowing from your fairy fire spell. So it looks even more eerie. Oh, man. Oh, and if I didn't say it before, I forgot I had to pick a color. I'm going to say it's green. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Thanks. <laughs> Eerie and green. Right. So it's Aegon's turn. He saw Theo stumble back in pain and heard Gunner yelp out. And then he sees this glowing <laughs> brain octopus thing float away. Oh, my. Also, okay. I'll, j- just as a reminder, advantage. too. Um, yeah. yeah. Advantage <laughs> on attack rolls. <laughs> yeah. So I got you. Attack rolls are good. Well, Aegon's kind of pieced together this thing's a little threatening, so he's going to go big before going home, you know. <laughs> uh, so he's going to launch himself a guiding bolt at it. Ooh. So he has advantage on the attack roll. It's a third level because that's what my spell slots are at. Uh, and that is pretty darn good. That's a 26 to hit. Oh, that will hit. Uh, so it will deal... Yeah, da, 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 da. 66. 66? Yep. I wish. That's so much damage. Four. <laughs> you mean six-sided dice, AJ. Oh. 
That would still hurt though, getting hit with those. Okay. Like Legos, you know? That is a total of 20 damage. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, your bolt like blasts into it, and it is literally being held together by filaments. Ew. It has one hit point left. Oh, rip. Holy crap. Okay, well, that was uh, that was my turn. So, yeah, there's just a, a burst of light, and suddenly there's like two two lobes of the brain just like floating independently of each other connected by a few oh no few tendrils it's definitely weaker than i thought <laughs> so vez it is your turn well vez is gonna take out this new bow of hers and try to hit it so which i guess i which oh yeah actually you did you did take a short rest and so yeah. you know what it you know what it does now yeah what yeah so um <laughs> So yeah, Janelle, uh, your bow is actually uh, kind of neat. Um, what it does is when you roll a natural one on an attack roll made with the weapon, you can instead turn it into a regular hit. Oh, and you can use this ability. You can use this ability once per short rest. That's so cool! Wow, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. And and I, I'm presuming it's a magical bow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's see what she can do. That is an unnatural 20 to hit. And you have advantage. And I have advantage. I don't know if it really matters in this case. It, it doesn't, because you can roll damage if you want. That's enough to kill it. Two damage. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, it's more than that. It's five, but I rolled a two. Yeah, so, so. She, she just pulls back really quick, and the bow seems like it like helps you aim just a little bit. And then you let fire, and you just you pin it against the wall with your arrow, and it dies. Nice. Way to go, team. But that is not <laughs> the end of the encounter, though. What? Yay. Because no. <laughs> even though you kill it, I'm going to keep you in initiative because you can see a very bright light filtering in through the doorway. <gasps> oh, crap. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't there until the combat started and then suddenly <laughs> light comes on. Oh, so man. we're going to move on to Gunner. Uh okay. Well, I feel like you got to switch up the strategy a bit then. Man, I wish I had like a cool trap or something. Okay. So Gunner doesn't have a cool tra- well, no, he doesn't want to do that either. Shoot. Okay. This is this is what Gunner is going to do. He's going to drop his falchion at his feet, and he is going to pull out his regular short bow, and then he is going to prepare an action to fire at the first enemy that comes within view. And aside from that, I think he is going to... He's going to say, Theo, do your best! And then the the word best is just gonna like explode in Fio's mind as he feel he's filled with positivity, and by positivity I mean a bardic inspiration. Ah, oh, cool. I I will gonna. It's a D8 you can add to ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. So there you go. And that is all Gunner's gonna do. Oh, oh, and, oh I'm sorry. Gunner's gonna move out away from the uh, from the stairs so he's not blocking the stairs, and that's all Gunner's okay. going to do. <laughs> all right. So we're back to Theo. Theo, you're still reeling from that blast to your head. Yeah. 
uh, I think hearing these words of encouragement, he'll he'll try to actually think quick on his on his feet, and uh, he'll grab at his bag of caltrops that he has on the side of his backpack, and he's gonna chuck them <laughs> in front of the door in a ten foot radius. <laughs> and, okay, uh, and isn't it a ten foot ch- square? Uh, oh, it covers a five foot square. Right? Oh, mind. five foot it's, square. Uh, okay. The the ten foot I was thinking is is the reduced it's... speed thing, but I'll read the whole thing off. But it's basically. I can put him in a five-foot square area, and uh, any creature that enters the area has to succeed a DC 15 dexterity saving throw, or stop moving and take one piercing damage. But if they, you know, if they know about it, they can do that. If they don't know about it, maybe you know they do the DC saving throw. Either way, they'll take one damage. Uh, either they fail it or if they stop and do half movement. But if um, if they don't beat the Wait, DC, no, they, they don't take dam- They don't take damage if they use half movement to move through it, right? Uh, it says, or stop moving and take one piercing damage. That's if they fail the saving throw. Yeah. Oh, that's Isn't it? Re- weird wording. Yeah. Wait, I got the. It's been a while right since here, I used so. caltrops. But. Yeah, okay, so AJ, as an action, you can spread a, sphin- a single bag of caltrops to cover a five foot square area. Any creature that enters the area must succeed on a DC 15 dexterity saving throw or stop moving and take one piercing damage. Until they regain at least one hit point, its walking speed is reduced by 10 feet. Creature moving through the area at half speed does not need to make the saving throw. Ah, that's where I got mixed up. Okay. So that's what happens when you try to take notes on things. It doesn't work out. <laughs> I mean, if you're taking correct notes, then it does. But... Nah, it just it never works. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what he'll do with his, ins- with his in- being inspired by, by him. Obviously, he's going to use the dive for something else, but... So yeah, Theo will run down south of the group and be basically uh, adjacent to the door and put a bunch of cow traps in the middle of it and then hang out next to the door. And then he'll okay. he'll also uh, call to Tuo and, and, and yell out, Koma, uh, and he'll point to basically right behind him. So he's out of view of the door immediately, but then he's close enough that he can attack. And, okay, uh, well, Tua, Tua will have to dash to get there. I hope that doesn't change Yeah, no, anything. that's fine. That's fine. Because he, he's not okay. going to be able to hold an action or anything. So I want him to dash, and he'll be right next to Fio. And then Fio will just ready to attack. Okay. And yeah, Fio, uh, since you're right next to it, you can see uh, you can see through the doorway, so you'll be able to see when anything comes around. Awesome. So if, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That'll be his turn. All right, so Jasper, it is your turn. I think I will just cast Silent Image and put it in the doorway with its head peeking out over. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. So, like, that way it looks like uh, when whenever whatever enemy it is comes around the corner, they'll think it's something they can shoot at. It'll probably target it out of anyone first. Yes. And then I can have its Silent Image just move around and do things, too. Nice. So I can have it, you know, I'll have it just continuously look around and things like that. So it looks at least somewhat lifelike. Although I just can't make any noises. Okay, that's nifty. Although I don't think it'll work well on brain creatures. Yeah, probably <laughs> not, but... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you create this uh, illusion of somebody peeking around it. Wh- who does it look like? Who in the group does it look like? And is it loyal or is it insulting? <laughs> Ooh, hold on. I didn't think about this. Gunner with just like a big wart on his nose or something. Hey, I'm Gunner. You know, that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, since Gunner can't see, it'll be his face upside down with a big wart on his nose <laughs> as he looks through. <laughs> it's so messed up. 
<laughs> and Gun- <gasps> Gunner Skull came in the back and was like, oh man, what a guy. He puts me in front because he's. I'm gonna make sure the, the back one. looks pristine, but the front it's got like a shirt untucked and it looks all messy. He was mortified. <laughs> <laughs> he's right across the side of the door, just looking at it. The illusion just looks up at Theo and drools <laughs> into its. Oh, yeah. God. And then I'm just gonna go off and hide a little bit, you know, over here. Just away. All right, so you hear the sounds of uh, clanging footsteps, and with Theo looking around the corner uh, briefly, he sees one of the scythe-wielding automatons round a corner. Oh, God. Into view, towering about nine feet tall when not hunched over with its red chitinous styled uh, metallic coating minimalist head with shining red eyes it's a weird torso stacked on top of the other torso so it has those wicked looking forearms and most importantly wielding two very sharp looking sides oh god feel just turn and back and say cucumber sandwich <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> So what it is going to do is its eyes are going to narrow the spotlight and it is going to fire all three of its bursts at the illusory figure. Oh my god. Holy crap. There's just this stream of white light that comes from the creature and it pierces right through the illusion. So now Nate... Does this thing yeah. does this thing still survive getting attacked? I don't think it has hit points or anything, so I think they just go okay, through physical, it. Yeah, so it's physical interaction with it reveals it to be an illusion. So I would consider, even though it's firing beams of light, I would say those like interacting with it would be enough to make it real. I mean, I think it would probably assume it would should be dead or at least have a hole. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, wait, I'm smart enough. I put a hole in its chest and still have it. <laughs> oh, no. Nah, sorry, Nate. It takes, it takes your action to, to change things. Good idea, though. So if it wastes its turn firing its beams, and then it seems to, like, step back, almost, like, surprised, and then uh, you hear a weird chittering sound come from it, and then around the corner, a second one comes. Oh, God. No! And it is going to use the rest of its movement, and then it's going to dash, and it's going to walk into the Caltrop spot. Awesome. So it has to make that, shoot it. that dexterity saving throw? Yeah, DC was that, 15. Was that name? Oh, when I said, oh, I said, then after you do that, then I get to shoot it. All right, let's see what it gets on its dexterity saving throw. That is a 12. That won't do it. So it uh, runs around the corner, and even though it's resistant to non-magical damage, as you know, you te- technically they still have to take one damage because you can't divide one by half. Yeah. So it'll take one point as the caltrip like sticks into its foot and it stops immediately um, next to Theo and it like looms so like it towers over him <laughs> and then Gunner starts peppering it with arrows. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. That is going to be... Hmm, not, not super. That's a 12, though. A 12? Uh, that will not hit it. These things are pretty well armored. <laughs> it just, bing, bounces right off. Dink! Yeah, pretty much. 
So Gunner, Gunner fires a few arrows, and then both of them are still moving forward. And Theo, like as he's ducking around, sees a third one. <laughs> no, you shut fall up. Fall in line no. between them. Ugh. And the three creatures begin their menacing march towards the party. Oh God! Oh my God! Just dig it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it and our other episodes with your friends, family, and co-workers. Your boss, if you're daring. Visit our website to find your copy of a D&D Quick Starter Guide, and feel free to join our growing community on the various social media platforms in the description. There, we discuss episodes, Dungeons & Dragons, and STEM topics that we all love. Thanks again for listening. We can't wait to see you here at Applied Dungeoneering. Some of the background music in this episode is from Monument Studios. Check out their other music at monumentstudios.net. The songs Weirder Things and Weirder Things 2 are from Tabletop Audio at tabletopaudio.com. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0. creativecommons.org slash licenses slash vy dash nc dash nd slash 4.0.